With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome to the show, Julian DeStoop, with you on a beautiful Melbourne day after a fantastic Melbourne Cup day. And hasn't a lot happened since we last spoke on Monday. Angelo Matthews' controversial dismissal at the World Cup on Monday night. That crazy game between Chelsea and Tottenham in the English Premier League. The Melbourne Cup yesterday and all the drama that always goes along uh, with the Melbourne Cup. And certainly there's some pretty fiery debate uh, with Jared on the means test today about the right of Joe Marrera in particular. And then, of course, what we saw last night over in India with Glenn Maxwell. Just an absolute insane innings from Glenn Maxwell. Just the third man to make a double hundred in a one-day World Cup. 201 off 128 balls, a heap of cramps, 10 sixes, 21 fours. Insane. So a couple of topics uh, to start you off with today. Big show coming up. We'll chat to Ian Healy about that extraordinary innings and everything in the world of cricket a little bit later on. Uh, AFLW Rising Star nominee, the Gold Coast, Darcy Davis, will join us. She's from an amazing uh, sporting family. We'll do upside, downside uh, for North Melbourne as well, plus plenty more. Got some great prizes uh, to give away. Signet Boost Power Bank, e-gift card, $100 Peter Jackson voucher, and a $100 Archie's footwear voucher. So for part of midday down is for work, locker, carom downs and packing them. Unlock, stocked and full of value workwear for wherever you work. Visit worklocker.com.au. The Werribee Kia open line is open right now. Awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year, where the customer comes first, one 736 736 Or jump on the 40 Wings temper text, 0433 Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. So there was a heap of ways we could have gone uh, with Glenn Maxwell. Uh, there's a heap of topics that come out of this, but we just decided to go with... The great sporting performances that dug their teams out of a hole. And that's what Glenn Maxwell did last night. Australia was absolutely no chance when they lost their seventh wicket with still uh, nearly 200, over 200 runs to get. But due to arguably the greatest innings we've ever seen, Glenn Maxwell put the team on his back despite the cramps and got them over the line. So I want your nominations uh, for that. Uh, and the other topic we're going to do today is off the back of Mark Zara. Sporting decisions, the good ones and the bad ones. And it's just the ones where you've got two options. So it's not, you know, bad ones saying, oh, St Kilda picked Jack Billings over Marcus Bontempelli. Because in theory, they didn't. They picked Jack Billings over a pool of players. So it's just the ones where you've got two options and it can be a sliding doors moment. You go the right way, you get the glory, you go the wrong way. And uh, it all goes wrong for you. So give us your nominations. Also want to talk a little bit later, or you can give your thoughts now, on the whole VAR situation and, and technology in sports. So Ange Postacoglu uh, is very much of the view that you accept referees' decisions 
and he'd rather put up with a couple of wrong decisions rather than to slow the game down and have technology just completely take over and almost make the referees redundant. Are you in that school of thought or or you are no? We've got the technology, whether it's cricket, whether it's AFL, whether it's tennis, whether it's football, that no, we've got the technology, use it, and if it takes five minutes to come up with the right decision, that is okay. Because if you look at that game on uh, yesterday morning between Tottenham and Chelsea, VAR dominated, but every decision was right. So which school of thought are you in uh, when it comes to that one? So just, but going back to the first topic, talking about performances where an individual has just put his team on the back, on their back and got them over the line, usually from hopeless positions. Probably the first one that came to mind. Physically, how are you doing? Oh. Yep, and turn an absolutely crap game of football into a classic because that was a shocker up until Nick Davis uh, did what he did or as Geelong fans call him, BND. Bloody Nick Davis. Uh, Before we get to your calls, just to get you thinking about it, let's have a listen to the man of the moment, the boy from Belgrave South, beautiful part of Melbourne. A lot of very good people come from there. Uh, Glenn Maxwell after his outstanding performance last night. Physically, how are you doing? (laughs) Terrific. (laughs) I feel shocking. Um... Yeah, it was obviously quite hot when we were fielding today and, um, yeah, I, I haven't really done a whole lot of high-intensity exercise, I suppose, in the, in the heat and it certainly got a hold of me today and, um, yeah, just luckily enough, um, we came out with a plan to sort of stay at the same end for a little bit until I could sort of get some movement back and luckily enough I was able to stick it out to the end. Yeah, look, it would have been nice if it was chanceless, but I certainly had my chances. I, I led a charmed life out there. I was very lucky and... Um, I suppose just made the most of that. I, I feel like I've had those types of innings before um, where I've given a chance and um, I haven't made the most of it. So to make the most of it and go on with it tonight is probably the most pleasing thing. But, um, yeah, to see it out, be, be not out with Paddy at the end is, is something I'm really proud of. Yeah, amazing. Um, I think after the first two games, everyone was pretty quick to write us off and um, to, to come back and win what's it, six straight now is, is a great effort from this group. Uh, the belief is always there, and to win a game like tonight, hopefully that just uh, that belief uh, spreads through the change room. Well, I hope the ice bath helps you out tonight. Congratulations. Brilliant to watch. Thanks very much. Cheers. That was Glenn Maxwell. And hasn't this tournament just been a, a microcosm of Glenn Maxwell's career? Two amazing performances with the bat, one horrific shot, and falling off the back of a golf cart and knocking himself out. That, that pretty much uh, sums up his career. But what a showman uh, he has been and what an unbelievable performance. So they put on 202, Pat Cummins and Glenn Maxwell. Paddy, the captain, contributed 12 runs. Unbelievable performance from Glenn Maxwell, as we say. Okay, let's get to the phones. Uh, they're heating up. Signet Boost Power Bank, $50 e-gift card, Peter Jackson voucher, Archie's footwear voucher, all to give away today as part of Midday Madness for Work Locker, Caram Downs and... Packenham, let's get to Pete in North Ball, and who's got uh, a performance for us. G'day, Pete. G'day, Jules. Uh, well played by you with a Freudian slip of uh, the big show ahead, given uh, Glenn Maxwell's heroics oh, overnight. Yeah, I'd like to say I planned that, Pete, but uh, I didn't. 
Oh, well, you take credit for it anyway, mate. Um, Absolutely. Circa 1995, second semi-final. Richmond at risk of being bundled out in straight sets. In comes Matty Knight, three goals out of the centre. As captain, mind you, and uh, drags the Tigers over the lines, only to be smashed the following week by John. Yeah, I was there that day, unfortunately. I'll tell you who changed that game for you that day, Pete. His name was Scott. His name was Scott Turner when he poleaxed Gary O'Donnell, who had kept Wayne Campbell kickless, and uh, ran through a couple of others, kicked a couple of goals, thrown forward, and completely changed the game. It did. It's, uh, it was quite bizarre seeing down the other end of the ground. It was, but you're right. I think I think Richmond might have had four goals to half time. They were down by five, and Knights had kicked three. And they're all brilliant goals, as you mentioned. So, uh, yeah, it was a brilliant performance uh, by Matty Knights that day. Thanks for kicking us off. Pete, uh, let's get to Ben in Mooney Ponds. G'day, Ben. Uh, good afternoon, George. Um, I just wanted to nominate Michael Devon for getting Australia out of... Um, yes. Pretty large holes so many times, especially the New Year's Day performance. Absolutely. New Year's Day, 1996 against the West Indies. Glenn McGrath was at the other end. And uh, I'll test your memory here, Ben. Do you remember who the West Indies bowler was? Uh, Roger Harper. Well done. Roger Harper, one of the great fieldsmen of all time. That was an unbelievable performance. Um, We've been similar. I think we were seven for very little that day as well. Good one, Ben. Appreciate it. Let's get to Luke in Windenvale. Go, Luke. How's the family, Jules? Very well, mate. Yours? Good good stuff. Uh, Glenn Freeborn, 1996 Grand Final. <laughs> yes, just, just uh, for those that can't remember, refresh our memories. Well, um, there's, I reckon there's probably 10,000 North Melbourne supporters in the stadium and only about 1,000 knew who he was. <laughs> he three for us. Oh. We and he actually didn't have too bad a career. He went on to play at Collingwood. He did, yeah. He did play in the granny at Collingwood. He, uh, he kicked three and actually dragged us back in. He did all in the second quarter, weren't they? Yeah, all in the second quarter. Yeah, that's right. Oh. So this refresh my memory. The Swans were about four goals up in the second quarter, and there was a passage of play I reckon where Paul Kelly had the easiest kick to hit plugger, probably twenty meters out directly in front, missed the kick. Goes down the other end. I think Freeborn kicked his first, and the game changed from that point onwards. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely spot on. And um, Danielle Laidley played in the hole in front of Plugger that day. It was unbelievable. There's a, unbelievable. There's a different topic. What position in sport would you not want to play? In the hole in front of Plugger. would be right up there, I would have thought. Absolutely. So you're a, you're a Kangas man, Lukey? Kangas man. Through and through. We're going to do upside downside for the Kangas a bit later. Uh, Give us one upside for 2024 and give us one thing you're worried about for 2024. I mean, the the worried about is the lack of key defenders. That's Mm. a a glaring one, obviously, was losing Ben McKay. People can say what they like about him, but the bloke could actually play. Um, I I mean, the upside, all uh, all the draftees that we got, you know, build on from what, She's on Wardlaw did. Um, Braden George is supposed to be like even better. Well, apparently that's what Rat said. And then we've got another couple of picks too. Like the upside cheeks. And, and, you know, Nick Larky, mm-hmm. there's a hell of a lot of upside. And, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually looking forward to it. It was, I, I 
I'm still involved in local footy, but I, I made the effort to go to a lot more games this year just to see those young blokes, and it, yeah, it was heartening. Yeah, I think there's a lot to look forward to. Not saying it's going to be finals next year or sudden a surge up the ladder, but uh, in terms of the young talent they are producing North Melbourne or bringing into their footy club, I think the other positive will be that uh, it should be some clean air for the coach. I mean, Alistair Clarkson, it was a nightmare year for him, uh, given everything that went on with the Hawthorne investigation, the fact he had to step away as well. So hopefully from Alistair's uh, point of view and from North Melbourne's point of view, uh, he can get uh, a clean uh, run at it this year. Thanks for your call, Luke. $100 Peter Jackson voucher coming your way. Dress up, stand out, be seen in Peter Jackson this summer. The look is everything with suits from just $399. Uh, good suggestion off Twitter here about it, putting your team on their back and getting them across the line. If we go back to the 2005 Champions League final, between AC Milan and Liverpool. AC Milan 3-0 up at halftime and one captain fantastic, Steven Gerrard, just put Liverpool on his back and uh, got them to a penalty shootout and they ended up winning it uh, in 2005. So that is a very good suggestion from Mick off Twitter. Got a heap coming through. Welcome back to the show. Get on the line. I've just been told the prize cabinet's just been thrown open. So double everything that I read out before. Two Signet Boost power banks. Got one Peter Jackson $100 voucher still to give away. Two $50 e-gift cards and two $100 Archie's footwear vouchers. A couple of topics we're spinning through in this first hour. Off the back of Glenn Maxwell. Just performances where someone's put their team on their back and either just uh, drag them across the line from nowhere or just drag them across the line uh, full stop. And also good decisions and bad decisions in sport. Just the one where you can go one way or the other. And that was Mark Zara. Does he stick with without a fight after the Caulfield Cup or does he go back to Gold Trip having won the Melbourne Cup on him last year? stuck with without a fight, and we saw what happened yesterday. So I've got a heap of examples coming through off the 40 Wings tempo. I won't read them yet because I want you to call in and uh, give me your examples before I spoil them. Uh, let's go to Paul uh, on the road who's got a, a couple of talking points for us. G'day, Paul. G'day, Jules. How are you going? I'm good. Um, I, rang la- I rang the other week and I was talking about the ride that Andrew was giving Yes, up. yes. And then it uh, looks like the wheels have fallen off. Wheels have fallen off. I'm not even worried about the result. It's all the... The collateral damage around it, Paul. No, so yeah, Van der Ven's three months, Romero three games, Bloody Adogi one game. Richarlison's had surgery. Richarlison's had surgery. He's out for a while. Madison injured. Goodness me, when it when it rains, it pours at Tottenham. And we got no centre backs. We have to rely on Eric Dyer now. Yeah, and Eric Dyer's, uh, you know, he's fine. He, He was pretty good the other day, and he'll get his head on the ball, but. He ain't the yeah. man you want defending in a high line where sometimes you've got to sprint back because he's not quick. Uh, we played we played a zero seven one line. <laughs> First time that's ever happened, seven I reckon, on the Paul. Midfield line, eh? So how, well, how's this going to work, Paul? We know, uh, you know, the, the team got a standing ovation after that performance. And looking at a lot of the punditry in England, most have been supportive. There was a few saying that Ange was a bit naive with those tactics. So... If it just goes a little bit pear-shaped, Andrew's not going to change the way he plays, regardless of the scoreline and who's there. Do you, can you see it turning against Ange rather quickly, more amongst the pundits than the fans, uh, if if results suddenly go backwards? I think if results start to go backwards, then his on-the-front-foot style of management is going to be, cri- going to be criticised. Mm. I think that's true. 
I think that's true. But what we know, as we say, what we know about Ant, he he won't care. The other he, thing I wanted to say was about the Tottenham, uh, someone carrying him on their back. Yep. Was Lucas Moura's hat trick. Oh, the, yes. Uh, Champions League semi-final. When we were gone against Ajax. 100%. That is a great call. Yeah, three goals after half time, wasn't it? Uh, against a pretty good Ajax side uh, managed by uh, a man that's under a bit of pressure at the moment, Eric Ten Hag. Uh, good call, Paul. What a night that was back in 2019. Uh, appreciate your call. Uh, let's move up to Tommy in Perth. Hello, Tom. Hey, mate. How you going? I'm good. How are you? That's good. Hey, just the yeah, I want to follow on um, from the Ange discussion just then. Um, look, I understand that um, he's going to come under fire for what he did, and I listened to Gary and Sam question him this morning. But what I will tell you is um, he is going to play that way. In their early days, he hasn't had a chance to fully build his squad yet. But um, you give him time. He's going to go through a tough period now with the injuries and then losing some boys to the Asian Cup and African Cup mm. in January. But... Um, Look, Ange once likened his style to being, you know, if you're a vegan, you don't you don't just drop into Maccas every now and then. Yes, I did hear him say that once. You, um, so they're going to play the attacking style of way no matter what the situation. And um, once you give them a chance and give them some time to build it, they're going to play football that's going to frighten the life out of opposition sides, mate. And um, I can't wait for it. And I think he's going to thrive right now under the pressure that's coming his way. You, you seem to know Andrew really well, you know, and his style and, and what he says. I, I'd be interested. What what do you think he would have said behind closed doors to to Christian Ramiro and um, a doggy as well? Because oh. they lost they lost their heads those two. Look, I think they did, and they'll learn from that. But he's he no doubt he would have walked away from that game being more impressed than any of the results they've had this year because he knows that the reaction and the performance and um, philosophy from the players, he would have walked away from that game knowing that, righto, I've got the players fully buying into my philosophy now, and um, that, that was what he would be most impressed with. And um, going forward, that they're, they're only going to get better from that. Where do you sit on uh, VAR, Tom? Are you in the Ange school that, okay, we, we have to accept some wrong decisions, but if that speeds the game up and gives authority back to the referees, that's fine? Or are you more of the school of thought that, okay, the technology's there, if it takes six minutes to decide whether a player's a a bee's diaphragm offside, that's the way we've got to go. I'm I'm in the the um, spot of get rid of VAR. Um, you know, I'm all for it in cricket where it's black and white, but in soccer where there's contentious handballs, etc., penalty tackles, I think we need to get rid of it. And we need to understand that players make hundreds of mistakes per game and the officials and referees are entitled to make the odd mistake as well. And we need to accept it and move on. Good call, Tommy. It's been a bit of a contrast, isn't it, old uh, Arsenal? Just throwing the toys out of the cot. Let's just go and list every decision wrong against us in the last 12 months. Let's write a letter supporting it. It must be a KPI to be the manager of Arsenal, to whinge about every decision that goes against you, because as good as he was, Arsene Wenger could whinge for Europe. Seriously. uh, Good to see Ange uh, leading the way over there. Thanks for your call, Tommy. Let's get to Andrew Nidri. G'day, Andrew. And um, but Mike, I've got another. Can I have two questions? Can you can I have two two, absolutely. Okay, okay. Well, the Tottenham issue was there. Is that um, they're going to they're going to be uh, they've got Wolves this next, in five days. They do. Yep. And that's got, and that, that's going to be very tricky. And and they're going to have a bit of a break. Um, yeah, that's right. But look, uh, the centre half back uh, Van der Yeah, Van der Ven. Yeah, he's going to be out for yeah, a long Vander, time. 
It's a huge loss for them, huge loss. Uh, and what a game. You know, two red cards, players going off <laughs> all over the place. The delays, the delays with decision-making really stuffed up the game, um, which I think was more, more damaging than actual decisions made by, by them. They need to quicken up the decision-making. Um, yeah, do, do they have to quicken it up or do they just, don't worry about the time, just make sure you get it right? Well, the, well, I think uh, Spurs basically were, you know, like, no, I, I think they have to because you can't have uh, the flow of the game just stopping and starting like that. It just ruins the whole, the whole, you know, like it gives, the, you know, if you're behind, it gives you time to reset. If you're in front, you start thinking, you know, um, when you've got players going off and not nobody coming, you have self-doubt. Um, no, it's all... You've got to quicken it up. You've got to make sure that you've got these systems in place that that um, actually uh, can make the quick decision um, and get on with it. If they can't, then they get rid of it. But we had the situation in the we had the situation in the Liverpool Tottenham game a few weeks ago where the criticism was they rushed the decision in VAR and got it wrong. So it feels like no matter which way you go about it, you're going to get criticised. Yeah, well, it's a hundred. It was hundred and ten minutes. The game went for a hundred. It was hundred and ten minutes. Yeah, it was hundred and twelve minutes. I think. Hundred and twelve minutes. Anyway, that that point. Um, you're right. Uh, but I think Gans held himself up well. But there are some. The, the critics already come out of the woodworks apparently on social media and you know really having a go at him. So hopefully, he can he, you know these guys can go back into the hole and and you know fill up and someone can fill it up for them. Um, but my my beef today is this. Yeah, you know, and Jared brought this up last week about the whip. Um, yep. Now I had backed a horse in race three yesterday, which lost. It lost. Uh, it was Queens of Dragons, um, and it lost to Warmonger, mm-hmm. and it lost on the post basically. Now uh, jockey Damien Lane yep. um, got suspended for ten uh, ten meetings. I think it was. Um... Oh, you still there, Andrew? No, I know what your point's going to be, and I think I agree with you. And, of course, this was a big talking point uh, after the Caulfield Cup uh, with Mark. So I don't don't know much about racing, but I don't understand it. I don't understand how you can clearly break the rules. And by breaking the rules, not that it can be measured, but it can certainly have an impact uh, on the result, yet the jockey will be suspended, but there'll be no consequences in that actual race. I don't understand that. I think that's the point uh, you were going to make. Uh, Andrew, Midday Madness continues after the news. I'll read through a few texts. I've got a heap coming through for sporting performances where someone's just put their team on their back and also good and bad decisions off the back of Mark Zara choosing to stay without a fight with without a fight instead of going back to Gold Trip. Another interesting stat here that puts Glenn Maxwell's uh, performance into perspective. Uh, Curtis VA producer Mitch, courtesy of Sir Swamp Thing on Twitter. Glenn Maxwell scored 68.6% of Australia's run in runs in the match for Afghanistan. So he made 201 out of 293. It's the highest in one-day internationals by a player batting six or lower and the third highest by anyone who didn't open the batting. So if that is not putting your team on your back and getting them across the line, I don't know what is. We've got some good ones coming through on the 40 Wings temper. Before that, this is a good one, I reckon, from Adrian in Roval. G'day, Adrian. How we going, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I did through the text room, but I thought I'd call this one in. Ah, good. We want to hear from you. 
Yeah, no, blokes doing it in unexpected ways. What about Michael Clark <laughs> yes. in the 2008 Sydney Test, just spinning India out when uh, we thought it was just petering towards a boring draw? Yep. Ponting chucks Clark the ball, and Clark spins up three for five, and uh, Ishant took his left glove out with his left glove, and all the drama that went around that. They were trying to waste time. No one timed him out, a la Angelo Matthews. And um, Pup spun up an amazing draw. Yeah, it's a good. Oh, I should never forget. And what a test match that was. The controversy with uh, Harbajan Singh and Andrew Simons and unbelievable performance. Yeah, you're right. The game was going nowhere until Michael Clark was part time off spinner, really. Didn't he take six for nine in India at one stage, too, in a test match? So for a bloke that wasn't uh, a regular spinner, he could do some damage. Great call, Adrian. Uh, $100 Archie's footwear voucher coming your way. Archie's thongs, they are that comfortable. You will never, never. Take them off. Just a couple more here off the 40 Winks temper. Uh, mm, I don't know. This one might get in. So this is a good decision, bad decision. Technically, probably not. So we're going back to 1970 grand final. Ted Hopkins being bought on at halftime. So it doesn't quite fit the criteria because Ted Hopkins, it wasn't a decision between Ted and one player. Any player could have been taken off. But I'll give a $100 Peter Jackson voucher away to the first person that calls up and tells me who did Ted Hopkins replace at halftime in the 1970 grand final. Another one here, good decision, bad decision. Pretty recent. Ollie Henry going to Geelong. Missed out on Collingwood's flag. Uh, did he get a game in that Collingwood side? He wasn't getting a game late last year in a Collingwood side, and they were probably a bit better this year, and they had Bobby Hill up there. So did he get a game? He had a good year at Geelong, but I wonder if he actually did. would have got a game at uh, Collingwood this year. Let's get to Baz in Coburg. Hello, Baz. Good afternoon, Jules. Um, what about Cooter's 99 Cleveland final game? Did you have to bring that up, Baz? Did you have to? It was a shocking, uh, yeah. shocking, shocking day. That was the grand final before the grand final. <laughs> grand final. No one remembers the grand final that day. So, so in the in the Carlton's official history, is it sixteen flags and one moral flag? Is that how you look at it? Because you denied Essendon probably a certain flag. Mate, honestly, I actually thought everyone thought that was a grand final. Like no one, I don't think. I think it was the worst record for a grand final to watch the following week. Because I, I think everyone was just thought that the Carlton Essendon <laughs> grand final was it. So, yeah, no, it was a great day. Oh, you're right. Like, of course, I understand that from a Carlton point of view. And Essendon lost in 2001, but you didn't feel as bad that day as you did walking out of the MCG in 1999. And uh, just just take us through the man that did all the damage in the last quarter. What was his name? Uh, The big cooter, mate. Oh, my goodness. Great man. I'd love to know who was on him. Highest ever ever, um, fantasy points or whatever. If it was counted back then, I think his game was, was out of this world, like, the amount of stuff he did. I don't think anyone's ever done it. Welcome back to the show. Just a reminder of what's coming up. Mark Bosnich is going to join us to talk everything in the world game, including that crazy game between Chelsea and Tottenham yesterday morning. Ian Healy to dissect. Speaking of crazy, uh, Glenn Maxwell's amazing innings last night. Darcy Davis. Beardy, mate. <laughs> Thank you, Heels. Uh, she is the rising star nominee from the Gold Coast Suns this week, getting ready for the uh, finals. They host Sydney this weekend. Upside, downside for North Melbourne. Hopefully we'll have a chat to Aaron Phillips as well, retired AFLW and basketball superstar. Just been announced 
as uh, the presenter for the best on ground medal at the AFLW Grand Final. And, uh, well, one day that medal might actually be named after her. Who knows? We've just asked a question in the last five minutes or so. So we're talking about good and bad sporting decisions off the back of Mark Zara deciding to stay without, with, without a fight instead of going back to Gold Trip. Worked beautifully for the champion jockey yesterday. And one that came through on the 40 Wings temper was Ted Hopkins being brought onto the ground at halftime in the 1970 Grand Final. So... Technically not in the category we're looking for because we're looking for just if you've got one option, uh, two options, and you go one way or the other. Obviously, uh, Ted could have come on for any Carlton player, but we've, we've said $100 Peter Jackson voucher for the first caller who rings up and successfully tells me who he replaced. So the full board, we're going to go in order. Michael from Craigie Byrne was first to ring in. Michael, who did he replace? Yeah, hi, mate. He replaced Burnley. Well done, Michael. Magnificent. $100 Peter Jackson voucher. Dress up, stand out, be seen in Peter Jackson this summer. The look is everything with suits from 399 bucks. Are you a Carlton man, Michael? Yes, I am. So as soon as that question got raised, I knew straight away. So it worked out right. I'm pretty sure um, Teddy Hopkins might have kicked a couple of goals in that third quarter. Um, and, yeah, they just sort of helped turn the game around for the Blues. Kick four goals in the second half. What can you tell me about Bert Thornley? Uh, to be honest with you, I, I, I a bit before my time, but my dad's a big Carl supporter, and, um, yeah, he, he did love Ted Hopkins, and um, he does mention a few of the players in that time. And, um, yeah, it just, it just sort of, I knew straight away, I thought I knew that question, well, he asked me that question, but... Yeah, it worked out all right. Beautiful, Michael. Uh, enjoy the voucher. And uh, smart man, uh, Teddy Hompkins, started champion data, which is now such a important piece uh, of the AFL. Uh, and, um, you know, with all their amazing uh, stats and uh, that the clubs use uh, 12 months a year. So if you want to know about Bert Thornley, he played 24 games for the Blues, 131 for East Fremantle before that. So 24 games for the Blues in 1969, 1970. You go to his profile... Probably best remembered for being the player dragged by Carlton coach Ron Barassi to allow the introduction of Ted Hopkins at half time. Uh, that was his last game for Carlton. He went and played in the VFA for Preston. Uh, the following year, he was once quoted saying, I was shattered when Ron Barassi took me off because there were a few of us who hadn't done much in the first half. I was playing second rover to Adrian Gallagher, and he would tell you he didn't do much in the first half either. But I never questioned Ron Barassi's decisions. Got enough faith in him to know it was right for the team, and I remain, remain very proud of that. It was a great side and a great club. Despite his inevitable disappointment, Thornley has remained a loyal Blues man to this day. 81 years of age now, uh, Bert Thornley, but uh, he's a bit of a famous trivia question. Uh, Paul from Ringwood might be able to add a bit to this as well. G'day, Paul. Yeah, good day. Remember Bert Thornley well. He was a medium-sized, rugged uh, Ruck Rover, but he came across to Carlton when he was too old. He was too slow. Um, and just one other thing about the 70 grand final, Barassi never said handball. If anyone had ever seen Ron Barassi handball, it was like a woman shooting a goal in netball. What he said was play on, because what Carlton were doing were kicking from line to line and Collingwood were holding them up. So when they got the ball, they ran or they did hand pass there very occasionally, but what they did more importantly was kick over the Collingwood lines. So all those goals that Nichols got tapped down the Hopkins, which happened in front of me, were balls that were kicked over the Collingwood half back line, not to the Collingwood back line.
You Carlton so man, Paul? Some information for you. You Carlton? Oh God, yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> I rusted on. I go back to kicking balls to Ken Hands after training. Oh wow, you are you are rusted on. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that because we spoke to who did we speak to on Sporting Life was talking about. Uh, David Mackay, it was the great Swan Mackay, and uh, he spoke about uh, that message from Ron Barassi at halftime. I think it's not too far away. There's a documentary coming out about the 1970 grand final uh, made by Pete Dixon, who's made so many great sporting documentaries, whether it's um, AFL or cricket. And I think it's a really good insight about not only what the message was from Ron Barassi, but what the message was uh, from Bob Rose to Collingwood at halftime in the 1970 grand final. So I think what you're saying there is exactly right, Paul. It's been Hamble, Hamble, Hamble has been what it's been portrayed as. But it was more uh, play on. So he came across at uh, nearly 27 years of age, Bert Thornley. And uh, that game he played in the grand final, he was 28 uh, years of age after uh, an eight-year career in the waffle uh, with East Fremantle. Thanks for your call, Paul. We're talking about Ange Postacoglu after, uh, before. And, uh, of course, we didn't have a show yesterday, so we didn't have a chance uh, to chat through uh, that crazy game between Chelsea and Spurs. Chelsea won 4-1. Spurs had two players sent off. There was goals disallowed left, right and centre uh, for VAR. And this was Ange's response on respecting referees in the post-match. Any complaints at all about the Romero red or the Adoggi red? No, I've already said that, you know, that's whatever decision they've made, they've made. At some point, we've got to accept the referee's decision. You know, that's how I grew up, yeah? And I keep saying that, and I said that last time, you know. This constant erosion of referees' authorities, well, this is where the game's going to get. They're not going to have any authority, and um, it's going to get diminished. And we're going to be in the control of somebody a few miles away watching a TV screen. So... Decision's a decision, you know. You either accept it or you don't. I've always been in the camp. You accept it. I've had, trust me, in 26 years, I've had plenty of bad ones. I've had plenty that have fallen in my favour. It is what it is. So that was Anze on respecting referees, and he went on to talk about how he, well, it's reality, really. The authority of referees with all the video technology is being diminished. That's the problem. Premier League managers should just manage their football clubs. I've never and I never will talk to a referee about the rules of the game. I was taught that you grow up and you respect the officials. You know what managers do? I'll tell you what managers do, me included. We try and find ways to bend the rules, to get around them. Tell me what the rule is and I guarantee you'll have a room full of managers processing how can I get around this. We're not the right people. And I get that people keep saying that. I don't agree with it. What I want is the best officials, always being upskilled to officiate the game. But I, I, I think it's so hard for a referee to, to, to officiate these days. Their, their authority is just constantly getting diminished. I just, I just don't know how... Like I said, I used to be... I grew up afraid of referees. They'd be like policemen. Agree or disagree with Ange Postacogli? Are you prepared to accept, no matter what sport you follow, Aussie rules, soccer... Cricket's a bit different. Tennis. Are you prepared to accept a couple of wrong decisions for the game to flow better? Or are you of the school that, no, technology's there. If it takes six, seven, eight minutes to decide whether it's an offside or the ball was touched that went through for a goal, anything like that, is that the way we should be going at? Welcome back to the show. Got a heap coming through on the 40 Winks temper about our two topics this morning. Uh, Performances where a player has just dug their team out of a hole, put them on the back and got them across the line off the back of Glenn Maxwell. And also Mark Zara 
you got a decision to make and go left or you go right. Who made the right decision and who's made the wrong decisions? Uh, in terms of putting uh, players, putting your team on their back, Dustin Martin, 2020 grand final. Cheers, Rick and Ringwood. Good decision, bad decision. Nathan Buckley going from Brisbane to Collingwood. Missed out on three flags. Well, that's only if you think premierships are everything. I mean, I reckon Nathan Buckley, his career, you'd probably rather Nathan Buckley's career than some of those Brisbane players that played in premierships. Um, but I know a lot of, one of the ones I thought would come through. Uh, Chris Judd during his days at West Coast, family, he's told his ex-teammates his shoulders were shot for carrying the whole team. He did when they played uh, West See, Judd. for the first time. I think he told Adam Selwood. That, uh, oh, A-Rod must have texted this one in. Stewie Jew, 2008 grand final for 15 minutes from midway through to the third quarter. He carried the Hawks to an unlikely five-goal lead and ultimately the premiership. That was from Phil in Abbotsford. Oh, this is a good one. 1997 grand final. Darren Jarman, five goals last quarter. Crows win the flag. Uh, Phil in Abbotsford again. Mark Philippus's 1999 Davis Cup final in France. We won it because he won both his singles games in emphatic style against the odds. That's a good one. Paddy Mills leading Australia to a bronze medal at the Olympic Games. Yeah, 42 points in the bronze medal game. A good call. Carlton not sacking Michael Voss after the Essendon game this year. These are the two that I thought of in footy straight away in terms of uh, decisions these two players had to make. One was Adam Trelaw. He could have gone to Richmond, could have gone to Collingwood. Famously said before playing his first game for Collingwood, he actually had a pre-season camp, that he went to Collingwood because he thought Richmond had a better list 12 months later. Flag for the Tigers. And Brett Delidio the other way, leaving Richmond to go to GWS. And another one here. Bad decision. You can kick with the wind. You can kick against it. Trent Cotchin won the toss. Kicked against it. 2014 elimination grand final. Quarter time. Ta-da, Tigers. Game is over. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us for the first time, uh, wherever you're listening around the country on this beautiful Melbourne day, welcome. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. Heaps more to come on the show. Mark Bosich is going to join us to talk the world round ball game, in particular that crazy game between Chelsea and Tottenham yesterday morning. We're going to speak to AFLW Rising Star Darcy Davis from the Gold Coast Suns. She's preparing for the finals this weekend. Suns host the Swans up at Heritage Bank Stadium. We're going to do upside, downside for the Kangaroos ahead of 2024. Ian Healy to discuss that innings last night from Glenn Maxwell. Also, Erin Phillips, retired AFLW superstar, of course, champion basketballer as well. She will present the best on ground medal. She's won it twice in the AFLW grand final at this year's uh, AFLW Grand final, just a few more off the 40 wings tempo. We've been talking about, you know, VAR and technology in sport off the back of Ange Postacoglu's comments after that loss to Chelsea. Um, Mortimer in Cranbourne North says, video assistance was always said to be removing the howler. But with tennis as the, as the exception, it has simply taken away from the spontaneous joy of sport. It's ruining the spectacle of footy and cricket without removing the howler. Uh, Chris in North Melbourne says, it's simple, Jules. Why was VAR brought in to avoid howlers? Is VAR being used for things other than howlers? Yes. So it needs to be more restricted. The balance is wrong at the moment. It's the same in the AFL. It was meant to be for howlers, and now we're seeing if the ball is touching a nail before it goes over uh, the line. We need to unwind video refereeing in a lot of sports. When I was a kid, I was taught that the umpire is always right, even when they're wrong. Professional sports seem to have forgotten this important principle, says Michael in Ringwood. Another uh, performance where a 
players just put his team on his back. Alan Border versus the West Indies in 1984, second test. And that was against a pretty decent attack. 98 not out, 100 not out, batted for 639 minutes to get a draw for Australia. Tim Watson, 93 preliminary final. Love the wisp, but I don't think he put Essendon on his back. He did kick the ceiling goal, but it was probably Michael Long and Darren Buick that put the team on his back. Mason Cox in the preling against Richmond. Very good. I'm not sure he put the team on his back. He had uh, some very good players that night in Collingwood uh, colours as well. Uh, good decision, bad decision off the back of Mark Zara. Daniel Ricciardo leaving Red Bull. That is a very good one coming through off the 40 winks. Our temper text, uh, Gazy's text in. Hey, Jules, a little bit of old Drury with the Tigers in the 93 NBL final series. Thank you, Gazy. Uh, morning, Jules. Maxi is a unicorn. Luke Jackson says hello. No other player in the world, either current or former, are capable of that. I wish he was 25 again and batting at six in the test. And we'll just one more. Carlton, I agree with this. Disrespectful Carlton supporters. This is from Big Roo. Typical Carlton supporters. Blanking the 1999 grand final like it never happened. Just like draft tampering. It just didn't happen, says Big Roo. Uh, Mark Bosnich, uh, not too far away. But, gee, A-Rod, seven past one already. Time for a McCafe coffee catch-up. Barista made ice cold drive through for your iced coffee favourites at McCafe. The Gold Coast Suns are preparing for their second ever final series in the AFLW. And it's been a, a good start to the week uh, for Darcy Davis, the Round 10 AFLW rising star from the Suns. And she joins us uh, this afternoon. Uh, g'day, Darcy. Hello, how are you? Very well. Uh, congratulations uh, on the nomination. Um Good performance on the weekend against the Bombers personally and as a team and uh, a very important win. Yeah, it was. It was a um, very exciting win, very important win and just excited for this next week now. What's the week like uh, heading into a final series for, for most of the girls at the club now? This would be the first time they've played finals. Does it feel different this week? Um, we've tried to keep it similar to what we've been doing this season. Um um, just like keeping up with like the same trainings, doing the same gym. Um, but yeah, it's been a good vibe at the club, which is good. But yeah, just trying to keep it all the same, not really changing that much. But yeah. From a personal point of view, you must be wrapped how the season's gone. Signed as an injury replacement early and you've come into the side, you've kept your spot and you've performed well. It's been a, a great season for you. Yeah, it's definitely been a big learning experience that I'm really grateful for. Um, and, yeah, just, it's just been such a good year. You mentioned learning. Uh, 184 centimetres and you're playing some ruck. Uh, how steep a learning curve has it been learning some ruck craft and, and doing it in senior footy? Um, yeah, it's definitely been helpful having um, Lauren Bella, the other ruck there, like to help me. Like She's been like taught me so much um, this season and like the mid Field coach Samars as well has like been such a good mentor to have um, the midfield group as well. We've got such a good experienced midfield that it just makes it so easy to play in there. Um, it was so easy coming in to the mid groups as well because they just made it really easy to work with and play with them. You've played some Ford as well, Darcy. When when it all settles down, do you see yourself playing? more ruck or do you like playing more forward or do you like the combination of both? 
Um, I definitely like the combination of both at the moment. Obviously, I like being rough because you're always like around the ball, always like in the contest and stuff like that. But I also do love um, the contested marking and, and like kicking goals in the forward line. So hopefully, hopefully I can pursue the both. Um, just like in like having like the rotation there. But yeah. Speaking to Darcy Davis, round at 10 AFLW Rising Star from the Gold Coast Suns, preparing for the Suns' elimination final at home this Saturday night against the Sydney Swans. You come from a remarkable sporting family, Darcy. Of course, your sister Giselle plays you with you at the Suns, Fleurs at GWS. Your younger sister, George, is coming through. Your father, Darren, was a, an international rugby player at junior level in Wales. Uh, what's more competitive, uh, training with the Suns or just... Uh, playing sport in the backyard with your sisters, your dad and your mum? Yeah, I definitely say at home is competitive. Before the Giants game last week, me and Flo were in the garden practicing our rough taps against each other, (laughs) getting in some practice before the game. Um, But, yeah, I definitely feel like we've always been in a competitive household. Everyone's always trying to be the best at everything. Um, And coming into this team, everyone's so competitive as well. So it's just, yeah, it just works really well. Who's the most competitive out of the girls? Um, I definitely say my younger sister. Yeah. So, so George is coming through the system now. I think a couple of years away from being uh, eligible to be drafted. Um, how much talent's young Georgia got? Oh, so much. Like, never really seen anyone like her. To be honest, she's like unbelievably like fit, fast, strong. Like, she's just got it all. So, yeah. I'm excited for her to come to the Suns one day and hopefully play with her. So born in Wales, how old were you when the family moved to Australia? Um, I think it was like 2007 or six. So I would have just been like one and a half or something. I'm pretty sure. So you came over here young, settled on the Gold Coast. Your dad, as we mentioned, Darren, uh, played some you know real high level, level rugby back in Wales. You moved into Queensland, which is a very strong rugby and rugby league area. Why was it um, Aussie rules for you growing up? Um, Giselle's friend, Anise Bradfield, who plays for Giants now, actually went, like we went to the same school as her and she said we should come down um, for like a school footy training. And like I always do with all the sports we've played, just got dragged into it as well and trained with the school team. And yeah, just haven't stopped playing ever since then. What other sports did you play growing up? Um, I was really into netball um, growing up, did like swimming, did like karate, basketball for school. Um, yeah, I think that's it. So you tried everything and uh, when did you sort of realise that Australian rules was the one you really wanted to pursue? Um, I wouldn't say it was till like the start of this year when um, footy started getting more serious and um it was being like a possibility that I could be a picked up from the Suns is when like I made the decision that um, it's what I wanted to do. So yeah. And you play, you, you reached a pretty good level at netball too, didn't you? Um yeah, it was a pretty good standard that I played at. Yeah, absolutely. So you made the the choice to play uh, Australian rules. Is it right? Your your mum also plays a bit of Aussie rules. Um yeah, she's actually in like the Broad Beach Cats Masters footy team at the moment that she loves she loves it so much um it's really funny to go watch her play because she's just so into it how, yeah, how does she go she got a bit of talent mum um <laughs> <laughs> careful careful 
yeah, she's she's getting a lot better. And your dad, I mean, obviously he's come from that strong uh, rugby background, but um, was he sort of that person that went, once he got to Australia, he got sort of swept up in how big Aussie rules is? And I'm, I'm assuming now, particularly with three and potentially four of his daughters playing AFLW shortly, that uh, he's a big fan of the sport. Um, he's only started like really watching it this year and last year, but um, he's definitely trying to get into it more, but obviously not too much to where like he watches it too much and like, gives us like his own like like fatherly opinions on how he thinks we should be playing and stuff. But um yeah, he really enjoys watching it and it's obviously such an entertaining game to watch. Who wouldn't who wouldn't not love it so Do you enjoy rugby? Um I've never never gotten into it so <laughs> Nah, it's all Aussie rules. Uh, just heading into this week, it's been an amazing run into the finals uh, for the Suns. You've had a draw, you've had a win after the siren, you've had must-win games the last uh, couple of weeks, including the one on the weekend against the Bombers. It's been a, it seems like it's been a pretty good lead into uh, a final series. Yeah, it's definitely. We've had such a good finish to the season. I think it's definitely helped with our momentum um, going to the final series. Um, with it especially being my first final series, I'm just super excited to get a taste of it and what it feels like. So, yeah. How's Charlie Rowbottom going? Such a great player for you. Suffered that ankle injury a couple of weeks ago and season over. Had surgery. Has she, she been around the girls? How, how's she sort of feeling about it all? Um, yeah, I think she's, she's home now. Um, she's recovering well at home. I haven't seen her since, but I've chatted to her a few times um, on the phone and stuff and she's, Going well, so yeah. Hopefully, I'll see her at the game on the weekend. Hey, Darcy, before you we let you go, outside of footy, what are you doing? What are some of your interests uh, outside of playing footy? Um, uh, I'm just in uni at the moment, doing my bachelor of education. So hopefully, become a teacher. Um, just doing like part time once a week with that. Um, and yeah, just doing a whole heap of skills at the club all the time. Primary or secondary teaching you keen on getting into? I haven't decided yet, so but I'm not really sure. Ah, plenty of time. Hey, Darcy, uh, great to meet you. Well done on the nomination, and uh, it's a fantastic sporting family uh, that you come from and uh, certainly making a big impact on AFLW and with young Georgia coming through as well. Uh, that is only get, going to get stronger. Well done again on the nomination, uh, and good luck uh, in the finals. Uh, hopefully a long final series for you, starting with... Yeah, thank you so much for having me on here. I've really enjoyed this chat. So have a good day and I'll see you, talk to you later maybe. Absolute pleasure. Darcy Davis, Round 10 AFLW Rising Star from the Gold Coast Suns. It was our McCafe coffee catch-up barista made ice cold drive through for your ice coffee favourites at the McCafe. Welcome back to the show. Plenty going on in the world game. The A-League, two coaches have lost their job already, running three rounds into the season. Champions League this morning and that drama at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium yesterday morning between Spurs and Chelsea. So it's a good time to check in with Stan Sports commentator. Remember to watch every UEFA Champions League match, exclusive and ad-free, live and demand on Stan Sport. Mark Bosnich is the man. Hello, Bozza. Hey, Jules. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, Particularly the first half of that Tottenham Chelsea game yesterday. Can you remember a game like it? <laughs> uh, yes and no. It was unbelievable entertainment. There's no doubt about that. But um, I, look, I, I'm mad a little bit, obviously, because I want, you know, even though it's my club Chelsea, I want Ange to do as well as possible. But I actually 
thought that they were absolutely cruising uh, until Sergio Romero had a, uh, I don't know, brain snap. And, and I, I thought it was completely wrong what he did. Um, going straight through and coming on the top of of the Chelsea player. I don't know if it was Kovacic or no, somebody will correct me about that. And then from uh, that Fernandez, moment, yeah. About, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, and then from that moment, for me, it was only one team that was going to win. And then to and Doggy to do that as well after he was very fortunate to stay on the pitch uh, was another brain snap uh, to get sent off. And really, in the end, it could have been an absolute mountain of goals. You have to give credit to to Tottenham in 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 one way. Uh, because they kept trying to to get an equaliser when it was 2-1, and Son had that wonderful chance before Chelsea got the third goal. But really, if Chelsea had their shooting boots on, the game would have been really, truly over, you know, half an hour earlier. So, you know, Ange really well, and you're spot on. I mean, Doggy was very lucky not to be dismissed for that studs-up challenge. Five minutes before being sent off, Romero kicked out needlessly. What would he say to those two players behind closed doors? Well, as well as you know somebody, you don't know unless you're there. Um, I would have hoped, uh, I'm sure Romero would have got a private word, no doubt about that, but that perhaps couldn't wait for after the game. But I'm quite certain, and I, I, you know, anyone can correct me if if I'm wrong because I wasn't there, but I'm quite certain surely he would have said something to Ndobi at half time to say, Mm. listen, mate, you're lucky to be on. Just be, you know, just be careful. And if he did say that and the player didn't listen to him, that's not really a good thing either. And I don't know why they wouldn't, because things have gone so well for them before yesterday, you have to say. Yes, they've rode their luck in many games. They've had decisions go for them. Um, the Liverpool one comes to mind. Um, but, and you know, your luck does run out. There is times when decisions then sort of go the other way as well. But, you know, like I said, in terms of, you know, his instructions and the way they've played, now, everything has gone to plan. So why he would do that, um, the only thing I could think of, like I said, he's had a, he had a momentary brain snap. There was a big game. It's a London derby. Chelsea versus Spurs is always a huge game. And, and to be fair, Spurs haven't had a great record against Chelsea for a long, long time. But um, they're, they're going to be up against it now because Ndoggy and Romero is obviously out. Uh, Van der Ven, uh, the, the centre-back, pulled a hamstring. Madison could be out. Um, it's, it's, it was always going to come, the test with suspensions and, and injuries, which, which have had. Uh, we haven't really seen, like I said, a major loss of form yet, but they've got Wolves away this weekend. Uh, so that's going to be a massive test of all their resilience. And you do get that in a 38-game season when you go through times where you've just got to do the very best you can to scrape as many points as you can because they hopefully turn things around as soon as possible. So Spurs got cheered off despite losing 4-1, which you'll never see when you lose to an arch enemy like Chelsea. (laughs) Most of the pundits over there have been full of praise with the fact that Ange kept playing the same way, kept playing with the high line. And look, at at 2-1 down with nine men, they had three chances to equalise. But does he have to be a bit more conservative in the short term? I mean, he's going to have three of his starting four defenders out for the game against Wolves, as you mentioned. Van der Ven is lightning quick. Eric Dyer comes in, he's not quick. So does he have to be a bit more conservative with how he defends just in the short term while he's got these players out? Uh, well, look, the high line I thought was too high, whether or not mm. they had nine players or 11 players. I, I don't think that was more what Ange was referring to and more where the cheers come. I think the cheers and what Ange is referring to is, and, and you know, for all his strengths, adaptability is not one forte that Ange really takes on board. I always remember asking him, uh, once, you know, about the local game, you know, what's your plan B if plan A doesn't work? And he said basically to do plan A better. The cheers and, and I think the praise uh, that they got from Ange is the fact that they kept attacking. The high line was too high. It was ridiculous. 
Now, uh, it, look, you don't. Ha- you know, people always think the automatic thing is if you haven't got pressure on the ball, you can't play a high line. You can if you've got very quick uh, centre backs uh, that can that can basically cover back if the ball goes over the top, and you have people running with the opposition midfield players who come from deep. But on the halfway line, like they were doing in the second half, regardless if it's ten or eleven men, you are playing Russian roulette. There's no doubt about that. But the, the, the praise uh, that I would praise Ange for and, and what people, I think, were, were getting to it, it sort of got muff, muffled a little bit, sort of muddied, it was the fact that they kept on going to have a goal. Mm. And then Son really, you know, nearly really went and scored. Majority of teams will just sort of sit back and defend and not go the other way, whereas Tottenham did. And like you said, on another day, I mean, the game should have been over. There's no doubt about that. It should have been over well long before it was. Chelsea haven't been having a great time this season either. But the fact that they kept on going to score, to go for the equaliser, that's where the praise come in. The criticism of the high line is justified because, like I said, that was just Russian roulette playing it on the halfway line, regardless if it's nine or ten men and regardless of who the team is, yeah? Exactly. Now, another big weekend for referees and VAR. Uh, Arsenal, I don't know what you think, but I think Arsenal were absolutely robbed against Newcastle and their manager, Mikel Arteta, made that clear. Now, Ange has been praised for his response yesterday to referees and VAR, but where do you sit with VAR? Because, okay, the game stopped a lot yesterday, but every decision that went to VAR, whether it was the penalties, whether it was the red cards, were right. So where do you sit on it? Well, I've always been a fan, and I understand the issues uh, that, that have come about. But I think if you have a look at it, it's pretty much like anything. It's hard to get... I, mean, I think everyone was expecting pretty much perfection. Whether it be the longevity of how, uh, you know, of how long the decision takes, whether it be that some will be getting wrong. I mentioned that Liverpool game against Spurs where they just got it wrong. It, it, you know, Luis Diaz was onside, and then they, they went with the offside decision, just making a mistake. But... In my opinion, it's still better for the game. And regardless of what I think or what anyone else thinks, it is here to stay. Yep. Yes, you want to get it, you know, sort of whittled down so it doesn't take as long. But more important is to get it accurate. Now, in terms of the Arsenal thing, it was a foul, in my opinion. Whether the ball was out or not, it was hard to discern. Okay, uh, whether it was offside or not after Joel Linton sort of jumped in it, but he pushed, mm. completely pushed uh, Gabriel in the back. Arteta's reaction was completely understandable, except when he went a little bit far when he started saying it's like, you know, about the league and sort of associating with the league being embarrassed. The league is, is arguably the top sporting league, let alone football league in the world. Okay, and it's a wonderful product. So when you go a bit that far, that is too far. And I think when Arsenal backed him up in their statement, their second paragraph sort of took care of that by saying we are playing in the best league with the best fans, the best coaches, the best players. So I think he went a little bit too far. But I understand the rest of his reaction. Because, you know, it's you. It's, it's his reputation on the line. You just come out of a match. You, you're going to have that reputation. I also thought what Ange said was very good and what he said. But let's not forget, Ange did not have the same situation that Mikel Arteta mm. had. There was no question that Udogi should have been sent off. He was lucky not to be sent off earlier. Or Romero should have been sent off. So there was no sort of question. So understandable where he's coming from. Um, but uh, Arteta's reaction as well, like I said, with the exception of him taking a little step further, um, you know, when he turned around and tried to associate with the whole league, I thought that was just a little bit too far. But the, what he said earlier, for me, was spot on in terms of, you know, it, it was a poor decision and one that I, you know, I look at it and I've even looked at it even now. I still can't understand why the people who watch that, I can understand a referee on the pitch not seeing yeah. it, 
but not not the people who watch the replay seeing the, the guy basically shove Gabriel <laughs> in the back. You know, Gabriel's a big boy. Why would why would he fall over like that? He didn't try to get a foul and all that. There was two hands, not to just two hands to hold him, not to heading him, but he was shoved completely in the back without expecting it which should have been called a foul. Yeah, staggering how they can look at that for six minutes and not see that was a foul. We're speaking to Stan Sports commentator Mark Bosnich. We're used to a bit of manager carnage in the EPL, but already in the A-League this year, Rado Vitisic gone from Melbourne City last week. Steve Corica, who's almost Mr. Sydney FC, gone as well. Were you surprised with both of those decisions? More surprised about one or not surprised at all? Uh, no, 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 not really. Um, look, Rado, I feel sorry for because, it, it, you know, he... Um, you know, he did really well. He won the league last season, did win the grand final. But but a club like Melbourne City losing the grand final six, I was surprised he didn't cop it after that. And then to lose a six, then sort of like two or three games into the season, there's no other choice that they're going to make at a big club like that other than you're, you're going to go. Stephen Corrick has done a wonderful job, for, but for a very long time. And not only a long time as a manager, but even being at the club, I think 19 years or something. So... Um, you know, I think if things have been different in terms of, you know, the way that where the league's at, I think he would have gone last season. I think he was on the verge of last season. But with all the uncertainty of what's going on, uh, I think they held out to see, uh, uh, you know, to show loyalty, which is understandably uh, completely. But I think after last week's uh, performance, um, I think it was against Brisbane. I think he left them with no other choice. Champions League this morning, Celtic once again. Cannon fodder in the Champions League. 6-0 loss to Atletico Madrid. I hope Ange wasn't watching that one. But it's a cracking group. AC Milan, PSG, Dortmund and Newcastle. And all of a sudden, Newcastle are bottom of that group. Yeah, they are. We, I mean, well, it, you know, when the draw came out, we always thought this group, everyone called it the group of death. And sometimes the group of death, you know, this one, group F, sometimes they don't quite live up to expectations. But this one is. Um, like you said, we just talked about Newcastle. Um, you know, who who I thought deserved, if there was any team that deserved to win against Arsenal on the weekend, it was them. Um, but so it just shows, you know, the, the you know, it's so hard to back up, you know, for another big game three days later um, in this Champions League. And they went down to 2-0 to Dortmund, who Dortmund, who went down on the weekend 4-0 at home to Bayern Munich. That was an amazing comeback from them. You mentioned Celtic. Uh, they're just, you know, they're, they're really struggling to get the grips with this Champions League football. They haven't won a game in the Champions League since 2017. And the send-off for Maeda didn't help. Uh, but Atletico Madrid were, were absolutely... And Shakhtar Donetsk, the yeah. special word, is haven't played at home for over two years. They beat Barcelona to keep their hopes alive. And the other game in Group F, like we said, the game that we took care of, uh, AC Milan against PSG. AC Milan edging it uh, in what was a fantastic game. It was probably one of the best games that we've, uh, we've had the pleasure to telecast on uh, Stan Sports this morning. Um, really end-to-end stuff, especially in the first half. PSG went ahead, then Liao uh, equalised uh, for Milan, um, and like I said, and then Giroud uh, got the got the win on the 50th minute, and then they pretty much, you know, really defended well. But if you have a look, who was the busy, busier goalkeeper? It was Donnarumma, who was in Paris Saint Germain's goal. He was the busier goalkeeper, made some fantastic saves. But like you said, it's really left that group open. So Dortmund are now on seven, PSG six, Milan five, Newcastle four. So the next round of games, uh, Newcastle will play against PSG and Dortmund will play Milan. And then the last games will be uh, Newcastle versus Milan at home, which is huge, and PSG versus Dortmund. So everything to play for in this group. There's a few groups that uh, that, that are like that, but there's others that are completely done. Manchester City yep. with their win. 
uh, have made sure that them and Leipzig winning against uh, Red Star Belgrade, they both have qualified. The only the only thing to decide now is who's going to be first, which Man City playing Leipzig at home, it should be absolutely fine. And uh, at Porto, um, with their win and Shakhtar's win, like I said, they're right in the mix as well. They've, they beat Antwerp 2-0. So, and tomorrow morning, uh, our game will be FC Copenhagen against Manchester United. Huge game for Manchester United. Uh, Copenhagen are very, very strong mm. at home. And that group is very, very close with the exception of Bayern Munich. And the other big game that stands out is Arsenal versus Sevilla as well uh, in another group that's very close. So this is the last season, Julian, that um, we're going to have eight groups of four. Yeah. So, uh, it's it's really is so far anyway going out of the bank put it that way yeah it's been brilliant and uh, United we're a bit lucky to get over Copenhagen in the last match day so it's a big game yeah. uh, for Manchester yeah. United Bozza as always uh, thanks for your time and uh, we look forward to the Champions League tomorrow morning on Stan Sport see you all bright and early thanks Jules magnificent Mark Bosnich just a reminder watch every UEFA Champions League match exclusive and ad free live and demand on Stan Sport ah it's a great jingle and unfortunately if you're a North Melbourne fan it's been 90% downside uh, for a long time now since their last finals appearance way back in 2016 but it looks like there's plenty of upside to come will that start Mainly upside in 2024, is there still a long way to go? And what are some of the things that still concern you as a North Melbourne fan heading into season 2024? So, of course, today we're not doing the kangaroos. We're doing North Melbourne. My goodness me. I don't give a stuff about the, the kangaroos, but I love North Melbourne. You rehearse these things in the break. You go and chat to A-Rod and then he misses it. Anyway. Okay, Signet Boost Power Bank and a $50 e-gift card to give away North Melbourne fans. So get on the line. Johnny on the road is going to kick us off. Uh, Johnny, upside, downside for the Kangas in 2024. Okay, upside, beware the Wardlaw. We'll win the Rising Star. We'll give us a few more wins for the year. Is he still eligible, is he? Did he play less than 10 games? Yeah. Yeah, mm. Yes, there you go. Yeah. As a good good um, bet, potentially. Yeah, so Georgie boy will be the boy. And the downside is that North supporters, I know we've been patient, but we've only got five players over the age of 25. So there's going to be a few bumps uh, throughout the season, but there will be an improvement. How, who's going to play key defence for you? No Ben Mackay and Griffin Logue will miss a fair chunk of the season with that uh, ACL. Who's going to play key defence for North until at least Griffin gets back? I think it'll be a combination of uh, Dawson, uh, Core, the boy we've got from Richmond. Um, oh yeah, you got Toby uh, Pink as well across from the SANFL. Yep. Toby Pink, yeah, and Toby Pink. So yeah, but you know what? My view is, if our midfield dominates, which I reckon it will. The ball won't be going down there too often. Well, that's it's a, you're building a very nice midfield on paper. Now, it seems like North Melbourne are all but resigned that they're not going to be able to get hold of this number one pick. They've thrown up a number of offers for West Coast. Uh, are you comfortable with that, or were you desperate to, to get your hands on pick one and therefore get your hands on Harley Reid? No. Um, take this to the bank. We will take McKercher, who I reckon will be the player of this draft. And Dersma. There you go. Thank you, Johnny. Uh, $50 e-gift card coming your way. It's redeemable online or in-store. Thank you to the House of Golf, your one-stop shop for all things golf. Let's get to Tony in Craigiebird. G'day, Tony. 
Oh, good day, mate. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Now, I'm not a North Melbourne fan, so That's okay. I'll be up front. Um, but I think that the, the outside is uh, Johnny from Epping. Um, <laughs> and I think if, uh, if it wasn't Johnny from Epping, I think North Melbourne would be in the doldrums. And thank God for Johnny from Epping on a Thursday morning. Uh, and the downside is, mate, it's pretty much status quo. Bottom, bottom two again for North Melbourne. Oh, you still think they'll be bottom two next year? Oh, God, yeah. They're, they're hopeless. <laughs> Now, come on, North fans, don't put up with that from Tony, as he's entitled to his opinion, but get on the line and tell us that you're not going to be bottom two and why you won't be bottom two and why you've got more upside than Johnny from Epping. Uh, so a few here off the 40 Winks temper. I uh, mentioned this before. Uh, upside for North is that Alistair Clarkson won't have the same distra- distraction hanging over his head as last season, and he can put all his effort into the team. Uh, Joe, J-Dog, who's a big Bulldogs fan but knows his footy. Downside for North is they refuse to draft key position talent. Logan McDonald should have been drafted with pick three instead of Will Phillips back in 2020. It remains to be seen if the Ben Mackay pick three compensation is used to draft Daniel Curtin as his replacement should West Coast retain pick one. Key position players take years long to develop, so drafting only a plethora of mids in recent seasons does not appear to be a prudent drafting strategy. Okay, they've responded to the North fans. They've got on the line now. I'm not sure if Justin Wandon is a North fan. Hey, Justin. No, mate, I'm a Collingwood supporter, but um, North won't finish. Well, West Coast will finish on the bottom. Well, North won't finish bottom two because Essendon will finish second last, so it doesn't matter. Oh, is that right? You think North Melbourne yeah. will finish ahead of Essendon next year? Uh, I hope they do. No, 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 no. Of course you hope they do. But w- do you actually think that will happen? Or are you just being, well, a, think, are you know, just being a smart yeah, aleck? Well, a little from column A, a little from column B. <laughs> right. <laughs> what, what, why will they finish higher than, uh, well, outside of the bottom two and, and higher than the Bombers? What's the upside? Well, the upside, all the young players, mate. They've got a few games to do them this year. They finished off the season well, even though it cost them pick one. Clarko's a very good coach, so hopefully they can finish higher than Essendon. That'd be great for North Melbourne people. Hey, Justin, I've got a prize to give away, and you're not getting it. Uh, thank you for your call, mate. Always good to have you on the shows, whether it's the run home or the shows across. But uh, Collingwood, you've won enough this year, so no prize for you. Let's get to Damien in Turak. G'day, Damien. Oh, g'day, Jules. Jules, uh, the upside is we, we will make the eight in 2024. Wow, make thanks the eight. Thanks to, thanks to the AFL giving us some sweet picks to go with <laughs> all the prodigious talent that we've already got on the list. Don't worry about the fact that that, that Mackay's gone. It'll be long-term great for us. Uh, the downside is, well, there actually isn't any downside. It's all upside from where we're at. Who's uh, who's spotting the eight? Are you taking Damo? Uh, Damien, but uh, sorry, Damien. I'm not worried about the other seven teams. I just know that we're going to make the eight in 2024 with all the talent we've got, which was proven the last game of the season which we won and won convincingly. Who, who are you most excited about amongst all the young players there? And you're going to add you know, another five first-round draft picks this year, um, but we don't know who they are yet. But of the current young players that you've got, say 23 under, who are you most excited about? Well, when a, when a guy wins a rising star playing off halfback in a position that he's never played before, in his junior football, I think it says it all, don't you? Yeah, he's pretty impressive. And the other young fellow that was mentioned before, uh, Georgie Wardlaw, goes okay as well. Well, I think the other thing that you've got to take into account is um, 
Uh, Luke Davies Uniac was best on ground first two games of the mm. season. He missed the he missed the next five, so he's a star. Providing he's not injured, he will be even better next year, along with all the other guys they've got. It's, it's a good point you make, Damien, because if you look at it, probably his last eight games of 2022 and the way he started 2023, over that 10-game patch, he was probably one of the better players in the competition. And he never really got back to that form, did he? Because it was just interrupted, you know, post that injury. And look out for Charlie Combin to play centre-half back. Oh, gee, you'd like to get see him get a run at it. You, you've seen from the glimpses he's got some talent. Maybe that maybe that might have to happen, Damien. You might have to send a man that's been a Ford uh, down back just at least until Griffin Lowe gets back. Or maybe we'll see, that, you know, there's been so many Fords these days thrown back to defence and been uh, really good players. Thanks for your call, Damien. Uh, Signet Boost Power Bank valued at forty four ninety five coming your way. A Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet and earbuds powered. 24 hours a day. Better A-Rod. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop with your big final hour coming up. Ian Healy, SENQ host and cricket legend, not too far away to talk about that innings from Glenn Maxwell last night. And we're going to chat to Aaron Phillips as well, retired AFLW star, uh, two-time best on ground in AFLW grand finals. So fittingly, she will present that prize at this year's AFLW grand final. But it is Glenn Maxwell Day. It could be Glenn Maxwell Week here on SEN. And uh, let's just have a listen to the moment. He bought up his double century and an amazing victory for Australia. You know what's going to happen. He's 195, Maxwell. A six to bring up 200 and win the game. Everybody here is on their feet. And Maxwell hits it! Oh, can it make it? It does make it! Glenn Maxwell! Unbelievable! The most remarkable thing you'll probably ever see in cricket! Staggering! Absolutely mind-blowing! He's good, our own Ian Smith. He's a fantastic commentator. Time for a cricket update. Study business at Cricket Victoria, powered by RMIT. Visit melbournecricketeducation.com.au. Australian cricket legend and co-host of Patton Heels on SENQ. Ian Healy joins us. Hello, Heels. G'day, Jules. How are you, mate? I'm very well after what we saw last. Have you ever seen anything like it, that innings from Glenn no. Maxwell? No, I haven't. Um, it was staggering, and he was staggering, and Afghanistan was staggering. Uh, it was unbelievable. Uh, I, I don't know how you can hit a six without using your legs or, or your <laughs> hips, you know. He, the, the speed of his bat is incredible, the way he could still carry that ball 75 to 80 metres without, with, with flat feet. He just could not move a muscle in his lower body. So that it was extraordinary. Does it make it tough for uh, junior cricket coaches around the country today who will say, move your feet, rotate your body? And I say, hang on, I just watched Glenn Maxwell hit six after six just using his arms. Oh, God, it was like throw that textbook out. <laughs> the, te- the textbook is getting a real workout, isn't it, uh, with T20 cricket? And I-, I kept forgetting this morning that that was a 50-over game. I kept thinking yep. it was a T20 game. But um, the-, the stakes were big. Um, the ramifications of not getting that 200-run partnership were bad. Uh, Afghanistan were bowling very, very well to have a 7 for 91, and he produces that. Um, so, that, yeah, just quite incredible. Have you seen the one where they bowled wide of off almost right after the blue line? Yeah. And he just he threw his bat at it and sort of it got the end of the bat but still went for four. You, you know, the, they... 
they had no answers to him because he was he was just everywhere. So twenty one fours, ten sixes, and cramping left, right, and centre. Will will it go down as the greatest white ball innings we've seen? I think so. Um, it has in my book. Uh, Ricky said in commentary, yes. Um, Smithy would agree with that. So I, I think so. To to be able to play. Yeah. Such punishing shots and make them look uh, very convincing, not risky at all, for for 128 balls. That's that's the real strength of this innings. You know that you know we couldn't. First of all, you couldn't bat like that. Then these players started to bat like that, but would get out, and now they're getting really good at staying in batting like that. So uh, I think it's a real turning point. He's divided opinion for so long, Glenn Maxwell. I mean, have you seen many more talented players? And we're just at the stage now where we just, this is Glenn Maxwell. I mean, we've seen a poor shot in this tournament, a couple of great innings. He fell off a golf cart and knocked himself out. I mean, the highs are high and the lows are low. And at 35 years of age, that, that that's what he is. Well, the, lo- the lows aren't that low as long as you're in a pretty good team. Mm. you know. So, so you can afford him. Um, but I think his greatest... I don't think he believes. I don't think he believed how good he was. Uh, but that'll give him incredible uh, confidence. Uh, and that confidence might give him better consistency, I reckon, be- because he, he was so handicapped and and battered uh, so convincingly. So when, when he's fit as a fiddle... Um, <laughs> I guess he starts moving around too much then and considers too many shots again, and that's when he mucks himself up. But, yeah, I think when he worries about being the big show, he doesn't turn up. But when he when he's really stretched and has to do it, he can do it easy. And who knows, if he didn't break his leg late last year, he might have been playing Test cricket this year. He might have been playing in India and uh, done well and might have been playing in an Ashes series. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think captain of the white ball team, that's where he would have been mm. uh, for mine. And uh, it was quite a poorly timed fracture, that one. Um, so, uh, yeah, he, he's back. And, you know, two years ago, for example, he, he would have had two years of, of captaincy and leadership under his belt. He, he's been, uh, he's a very good thinker in the game. Um, and, yeah, you know, I, I think test cricket... I, I saw him play one, maybe one of his best innings in India mm. uh, in that Test series years ago, and I thought, right, well, I'm really interested to see uh, how he how he goes now. But he's never moved his feet as well as that again in Tests. So, so you know, that day in India, no one else did anywhere near as well as he did because his footwork, forward to the ball and back and across and back to shorter balls, was was unbelievable. And he, he's got something in that, you know, he. He creates a lot of time for himself, and then he's got a really fast bat swing, um, which must be just strength and fast twitch in his arms, and those those the final uh, roll of his wrists. My goodness, unbelievable performance! We've got one game to go against Bangladesh. It looks like we're going to finish third and probably play South Africa in a semi final. Of course, we're all talking about Glenn's innings today, but it probably it well it did it papered over some cracks in the batting and particularly with the bowling towards the end of the the um, Afghani uh, innings. Is that a concern coming into the business end of the tournament? I mean, Mitch Stark again was costly, five wides as well. Is that a bit of a concern, the rest of the performance outside of Glenn's performance? 
Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't quite work out the Aussie team at the moment. They've been a ragtag bunch, haven't they? Yeah. Injured, concussed, <laughs> uh, vertigo, <laughs> uh, Manus gets his spot again, you know, um, Warner and head on fire, then quiet. Um, so, so, And then our bowlers doing enough, but they have never been, uh, never really rolled anyone for under 100 like a couple of the other teams have done, India, South Africa. South Africa have been rolled for under 100 yep. as well. So I, I just... Yeah, I haven't quite worked them out. Uh, remember 2015, the final here, where where Starkey had just geared up for that first over yep. to McCullum, those Yorkers. I, I th- I'm I'm hopeful and I'm suspecting they know how they can turn it on. They'll be ready to turn it on. To me, Starkey now looks tentative going to the crease because his control's not great, um, and Pat Cummins hasn't got a. Uh, uh, what do you call it, a power play wicket yet yep. in the tournament. Um, and he doesn't look to be bowling fast to me. Um, so, and Josh Hazelwood's always very consistent, but but these wickets, you know, aren't built for consistency. You've got to deceive with slower balls and really, really good bounces if you're going to try one. Um, oh, so, so no, and, and Stoinis in and out of the team and Cameron Green, who's our fourth bowler to go with Zampa? Maxwell's now back, so... Uh, Mitch Marsh is he going to bowl? So I just think, I think Starkey and the boys might be gearing up for that semi. That's what they have to target right now. I've, I'm quite fearful of South Africa. Um, I think, I think all four sides, and I'm hopeful that New Zealand make the semis because they deserve to. Um, they were the the batting unit that had the least flair out of these four teams, right? But Ravindra has now brought them into that too. They've got a beautiful balance. Mm. If someone's going to bat like Ratchin Ravinda, so so uh, they're in there. Um, so I just think we've got to really target that South African game and and sort of get early wickets uh, for uh, and and try to work your way through not only their batting power but. They've got a great bowling attack as well. So, semi-final, dangerous. Yeah, big game for New Zealand tomorrow night against Sri Lanka. Don't worry about watching tonight. Just a couple of minnows, England and the Netherlands. We're chatting to Ian Healy, Australian <laughs> cricket legend, co-host of Patton Heels on SENQ. So, just for that next game, given how badly Glenn Maxwell was suffering with those cramps, do you arrest him against Bangladesh and make sure he's 100% right for that semi-final? Well, yeah, only if he wants to. I'd be keen to arrest him if he wanted to rest. Um not wanted a rest, but if he was okay with that, um, and and medically it would help uh, what he needed to do to recover to one hundred percent. It was quite. What about when he lay on the ground like the silly salmon? Like it was unbelievable, wasn't it? I mean, shot. Um, so so uh, yeah, I, I haven't got a problem. Our team, the one thing it has proven is it can win with many many different combinations. Uh, we probably need to try to get more batting into Stoinis. We try, probably have to try to get our top order. Not not so much Head and Warner. They'll be okay, but it won't be. It'll be a bonus for them to get another hit. But Mitch Marsh, Steve Smith, mm. uh, they, and whoever's after that, if it's going to be Inglis, Stoinis, uh, and, and then uh, whoever another whoever bats seven for us. Um, so or you know, is Manus going to stay in there? You know. So I think uh, I, there's a spot there to to enable us to rest to rest anyone who is okay with the rest. But, uh, yeah, I don't think they'll be that keen. They're pretty keen to fire on. Spirit of Cricket's been a buzzword this year, Heels. Uh, was the line crossed with the Angelo Matthews timed-out dismissal? Yeah, yeah. 
You know, I can't. Have you seen the actual five minutes of Vision? Mm. Yeah, I have. I haven't. I went. You have. Yeah, I think I I think I saw it on Fox Sports. Yeah. So, so I really need a bit more clarity around it. Um, I, for me, I wish he had just batted up with his broken helmet. But and then the umpire would have said, "You can't bat like that." Okay, well, I need to fix my helmet, and he would have been all right. Mm. But but I don't. So I haven't really. But then some people said to me, "Well, he was all already up to four minutes before the helmet broke." Mm. So oh right, I I didn't know that. But but um, I just think the umpire should have stepped in there and and said, "Not out." Common, you need a bit of common sense, don't you? I mean, to the letter of the law, yes, but you need some common sense, right? Yeah, I reckon. And it's the law. You know, the umpire should have a better appreciation than the players for why that is a law. Right, and it is to stop time wasting uh, at when a storm's rolling in, mm-hmm. or you know all that sort of stuff, um, and or when a timeout's about, you know, you're, the game's going to be timed out. So, so you know, the umpires know that he wasn't trying anything no. silly, um, and now even even more so than the Bearstow case, the run out in England. But Johnny Bearstow didn't pay the fielding team enough credit. Mm. You've got to look at where the ball is and whether it's finished or not. If Alex Carey had caught that and stayed with it in his glove for one more second, that ball's probably dead. But it wasn't. And the batsman needs to check on that. Um, so, But as far as the timeout one, um, no, I thought the umpires could have upheld that spirit of the game better than better than the players even. Yeah, I think most would agree with that. Before I let you go, Heels, you've just been out doing some hot laps. Yeah. Who with? I've been out to the supercars. Uh, Will Davidson and the Dick Johnson Racing Team. Nice. And uh, uh, all the teams were out there at Willow Bank here in Queensland. And, uh, yeah, oh, geez, I was glad he hit the brakes eventually. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was very good, mate. It, it was, I, I was a l- much more apprehensive than I needed to be. I'm, I'm not into speed and I'm not into the sort of scary stuff. So it, it, was, it felt very secure. Um, and I was with Kai Allen, who, who ended up taking me. Will had just get, got out of there. They do 190 customers today out wow. there. And um, they, they come and have two laps each. All the sponsors and corporates they've got and supporters of supercars. It's, it's a fantastic initiative. Um, so, yeah, we got, I was a little bit disappointed when I heard it was two laps. I was hoping a hot lap meant one. But, uh, yeah, I could have done even more. Did, but it was pretty hot, very you, hot in the car. Do you feel safer in there or facing the West Indies quicks on a green deck? No, definitely the car. <laughs> the car got, breaking 130 metres out uh, of a corner, going at about 250. Um, and, that's, and that is better, safer, than Kirtley Ambrose bowling 140. Absolutely. They are remarkably talented, uh, these V8 supercar drivers. They are freaks at what they do. Thanks again for your time, Hills. Uh, we can't wait for the real, real business end of this World Cup. Yes, it's hotting up nicely. Thanks a lot. Great Bye. to chat to Ian Healy. That was our cricket update. Study business at Cricket Victoria, powered by RMIT. Welcome back to the show, Julian DeStoop, sitting in for Dwayne Russell. The 2023 AFLW finals were launched this morning, and when you've won three flags and you've been best on ground in the grand final twice, probably makes sense that you present the best on the ground award at this year's 2023 AFLW grand final, and that honour has been given to the very recently retired Erin Phillips, who's been good enough to jump on the line. Hello, Erin. Hey, Cohen. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Um, when did you find out this would be your role on grand final day and uh, how does it sit with you? Yeah, look, I've only been um, 
told her a few days ago and um yeah it was obviously really exciting and um looking forward to a getting to go to the game being a spectator and looking forward to seeing who i'll get to put the medal on so it'll be a, a great honor and hopefully a great game who do you think will be playing off uh, for the premiership this year i know we're just about to start the finals but uh who are you predicting to make it through to the big one? Oh, look, that's a really, really hard one. Um, it'd be hard to argue that um, without it'd be Adelaide, Brisbane, and Melbourne. Surely, two of those uh, teams will be uh, up there. So, it'd be hard. Adelaide will be really, really hard to beat at home. So, it won't be. I won't be surprised if I'm staying on Adelaide Oval, uh, to be honest. Um, but you never know. It is final. I think you'd be pretty happy if you were standing on uh, Adelaide Oval. Speaking of. Uh... Your last game, it uh, it all ended pretty well uh, on a number of fronts. Yeah, look, um, it was an exciting uh, last game, Albert and Oval. Happy uh, to finish off our season with a win in front of our fans and uh, with family and friends in the crowd and a, a ticket request of about 100. Um, it was nice to get the win and kick a goal to finish off uh, the year and, and my career. So, um, yeah, it was it was a good day and... Like I said, just happy happy for the team to get a win in, in front of our fans. How's it sitting with you now that you now know it, you have played your final game? To be honest, I've been too busy to really think about <laughs> yeah. it, if I'm being honest. Um, uh, look, I, it's, it is strange if I actually think about it. I mean, uh, this week, just you know, setting my alarm, didn't have to get up and go do weights or the gym or anything like that. So I suppose those things um, will start becoming a, a regular, but... Yeah, it's it's going to be weird. I, I would say after the finals are over, when things quieten down, and um, I think the realization I'm retired will set in. But to be honest, um, it's an absolute 100% right call for me, and I'm I'm excited for what's next, whatever that is. Still don't know, but um, it won't be too far away from the game, I'm sure. With everything you've achieved, Erin, um, where does winning two best on grounds in grand finals sit? I know it's a team game, and it's all about the team winning, but you know, performing on the biggest stage and being named best player in a grand final twice. Where, where does that sit on with all the other achievements you've uh, you've had over your career? Yeah, look, obviously, um, I, I don't know. I haven't sat down and rated um, <laughs> what's first until, you know, last. But I would say, you know, any time you do perform uh, in a grand final or in a, in a really big game and, um, you know, it's, it's a great honour to win and... Um, especially, like I said, in, in those big moments where, you know, you need big performances to, to win. So, I mean, that's a great reflection individually. But um, it's definitely, and you'll hear athletes say, um, because it is true, it's definitely why you don't want to play. You want to win win the premiership. But, you know, it's definitely, um, it's a really nice reward knowing that, you know, you you gave it your best shot and did pretty well on a, in a pretty big game. So, um, I'm excited to see whoever whoever wins that um, award this um, this year, and yeah, we'll be really proud to hand it over. Speaking to Erin Phillips, she'll present best on ground at the AFLW Grand Final this year. Still in the early early years of AFLW, and there's always a bit of commentary around about you know who some of these uh, awards should be named after, whether it's the AFLW Medal for Best Player of the Season, Best on Ground in the Grand Final, and your name is often linked to them. How does that? make you feel when people say a significant award should be named after yourself yeah honestly it's I don't think about these things until they keep coming up and I keep getting asked about it um but yeah whoever 
um, I'm sure the AFL in, in due course will, will name the medals and whoever gets that honour will be really, really special. But, yeah, it's not something I, I think about or um, just but to even just have my name mentioned uh, in conversation is, is really special. But um, I did speak to my dad about it and I said, um, he goes, yeah, it should be the, the Phillips after G. Phillips, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did win eight of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I said, well, you only won eight. You should have won nine, maybe, you know. <laughs> you might have got something named after you then. But, no, nah. look, honestly, whoever whoever gets, um, you know, whoever is acknowledged for these awards would be a great honour. And like I said, it, I'm just really humbled to be even, even be in the conversation. Speaking of your dad, we had your dad, uh, Greg, on uh, about 45 minutes after your retirement speech last week, and I think he was pretty humbled about what you said about how, you know, he he, he kept teaching you the game, even though he probably thought there was no future in it uh, for you, because at that stage, a a professional women's league was not even in people's thoughts. Uh, How was he sort of post-matcher on the weekend? Uh, You can get a bit emotional at times. How was he? Yeah, he was was good. I mean, he, he... we had a, a couple of quiet drinks after the game and, um, you know, I think for Dad and I will be something we'll, um, we really haven't even sat down and um, really reflected on um, much because we're so busy with, you know, kids and grandparenting and all those things. But I'm sure we will sit down and, you know, um, you know, go through the uh, go through the archives and all the old times. And But it's been great. It's been a great career to share with him and, and, you know, like I said in my retirement speech, he taught me this game, and here's the reason why I love it. So, um, yeah, he was he was pretty emotional. I, I saw in a couple of videos after I kicked that goal. So, which is typical, typical <laughs> dad. Um, but no, he's uh, he's been a massive supporter of mine. And um, actually, when I did retire, the first thing I pretty much did after that press conference was ring him. But he was he was. His line was busy because he was on the phone to you guys. I was like, well, that's nice. He's like, Can't he's even a... get through to him. <laughs> he's a celebrity. He was on Media Street. That's what he was on. Now, uh, no, now you won three flags. He won eight. Was he ever best on ground in any of those premierships? Oh, depends who you ask. If you asked him, he might have been a, he might have been a couple of best on grounds. But no, nah, I uh, don't think so. There you go. Um, you got him covered. No. Nah. But who argue that defenders don't win those awards? So uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true. Hey, before I let you no. go, Erin, um, there's so much exciting young talent in the competition the last couple of years, and as we know, the standards only getting better and better with the quality of young players coming through. Who are a couple of the real exciting young players that you really enjoy watching and are going to enjoy watching in the years to come? Yeah, well, probably um, it'd be hard to go past a couple of my. Uh, teammates at, at the moment probably because the ones have been watching and training alongside and seeing their development that Matilda Scholes who's um our Ruckman who's has had an outstanding career or you know one year but you know a junior career and now AFLW she's um just taking it with both hands so I'm excited to see uh, her development uh and just even things not just on the field but um driving the standards uh, away from trainings, you know, calling line meetings uh, as a 19-year-old, just, um, yeah, just her attitude towards training and um, how she goes about it. So, you know, I'm excited to see the next generation. They come through and their skill level and their their running ability is um, just off the chart. So I'm excited to, to sit back now and, and watch these um, just super exciting young kids take this game to a whole nother level. 
Absolutely. Erin, uh, thanks so much for your time. It's uh, a fitting honour. Enjoy sitting back and watching the finals and uh, we look forward to seeing you there on Grand Final Day. No, I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Erin Phillips, three-time AFLW Premiership player, two-time AFLW Grand Final Best on Ground. She'll present that award on Grand Final Day this year. Lost in the wash-up next, one 736 736 Anything we've missed in the world of sport uh, on the show today, uh, let us know about it. Reminder to Flight Centre's big red sale is on right now. There is some amazing specials, whether it's here in Australia, over in Japan or Thailand, heaps of different destinations, New Zealand. Uh, so with limited time offers on flights, there's cruises, holidays and tours. Book now to say big in Flight Centre's big red sale. You know the jingle, it's lost in the wash time, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Still got a couple of prizes to give away. Anything we've missed in the world of sport. That's a massive shock in the news there. Eddie Jones is interested in coaching Japan. Oh, shock, horror, breaking news. Extraordinary. He's going to coach Japan, let's be honest. As was said months ago by Tommy Decent in the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, Shield cricket, Vicks just can't get a breakthrough. At the Junction Oval, they had South Australia 2 for 20 in their second inning. Since then, Jordan Silk and Tim Ward have put on 158 wards, 77 not out. Silk, 82 not out. So, uh, sorry, Tassie lead Victoria by 257 runs uh, with eight wickets remaining. Uh, in the other game that's going on at the moment, uh, the Bulls are in all sorts of trouble against the Redbacks. Redbacks 5 to clear for 359. Uh, the Bulls are 8 for 190 at lunch. Uh, in that match bit of AFLW news, Craig Starsevich, long-term coach of the Brisbane Lions AFLW team, has re-signed for a further two years. Now, this morning, uh, Marcus Bontempelli, Wandered in uh, to chat to Sammy Edmund and Gary Lyon on breakfast. And Joel Brooks, the super producer, Bulldogs tragic. Fair to say nearly fell off the chair out there when the Bont came in on crutches. It's lucky that we've got nice wide openings and clear access because the Bont's uh-huh. come in with a bit of work having been well, done and he's on the crutch. Yeah, no, let's sort that out because we've got four journalists on the phone at the moment want to know what's <laughs> going on. What's happened? Oh, yeah, I better move to uh, ease everyone's tensions or mm. concerns. Uh, just a little uh, ankle clean out. Um, so got through the season and, and, and whatnot pretty good. Um, and then just had, had my break, um, started to train, just noticed a few little signs, a little bit of swelling. It was staying, you know, I guess a little bit angry post-session. So since coming back from my little off-season trip, we just decided better tack now and avoid pushing it into the, the pre-season and, and season, um, going for a little tidy up. But uh, should still be well and truly on track to, to get things going once we're back uh, on the 27th of November. So just a little arthroscope, take out some foreign bodies, yep. I think is the technical term, uh, Phil Marshall, and um, you should be right and ready to go. That's it. That's it. No no big concern here. Just, uh, yes, better act sooner mm. rather than later and, and move past it and get going. So walking again properly by... Should be by the end of the week. That, that's the hope. Um, he's, oh, no. Sorry, he's, you've got me pretty fresh. Just so thought we had a big story. Got me pretty there. fresh. Um, <laughs> I only had it two days ago. He's done well to re- uh, uh, cram it in. And out Edmund in Pang for breakfast tomorrow for Gary's final show of the year. Just a community service announcement. Anyone been worried about Max Gorn's Twitter account? It got hacked on Saturday, and he's just got it back. He's just tweeted, gee whiz, hacked on Saturday. Got it back five days later. Apologies for anything old mate tweeted. Going to take me a while to clean up this new FYP I have. Still haven't got my Facebook or Dropbox back, if anyone has any ideas. So if anyone can help out the big Melbourne skipper, uh, let him know via at MaxiGorn11. Uh, I had a few people text me asking what's going on with his Twitter page, and... 
That explains it. He was hacked. Welcome back to the show. Well, it's a very significant day on Saturday. It is Remembrance Day, and it's an important time of the year with the RSL Poppy Appeal. So please show your support for our veterans and their families. You can donate at poppyappeal.com.au. Together we remember. We've been lucky enough this afternoon to be joined by Australian Army veteran and an Invictus Games gold medal winner in Francine Dudfield. Francine, thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Before we get on to the RSL Poppy Appeal and why it's so important, just take us through um, your service. Yeah, so I joined um, just after high school and I joined as a, a medic in the Army and um, I chose to do that because I wanted to serve uh, Australia and help um, you know the people that um, need the most help. Um, and also I wanted to be part of a team and... Um, I was just looking for a bit of a challenge and an adventure. So, um, yeah, the the Army was a real calling for me and um, I've always had, like, a deep desire to help people. So, yeah, I was very fortunate to be selected and um, then go through to training and um, and then I had a very successful career as a medic for um, about nine years. How do you look back on the experience and uh, what, what were some of the, the, the major things that you learnt? I think teamwork, resilience, um, you know, courage, initiative, um, yeah, and then just how to be your authentic self in um, in times of you know high stress. Um, also, how how to ask for help um, and not to be ashamed um, to put your hand up and and say you need a bit of time out or you need a bit more. Um, you know, assistance with um, certain aspects of life. So, yeah, they were really good um, learning points for me in my service. As we said off the top, it's such an important day, uh, Remembrance Day. It's on Saturday. Just take us through why the RSL Poppy Appeal is so important and, and who does it support? Yeah, so the Poppy Appeal is yeah really important to veterans and their families. Um, every, um, on most veterans... You know, they they have a partner or their children, so you know it extends beyond um, the veteran. But a lot of our veterans um, do suffer from physical and and mental um, issues, and like due to their service, you know it's a very high stress environment, and um, you know and then put you know overseas trips on on top of that, so um, there can be quite a few issues. Um, and the poppy appeal really helps these veterans kind of um, just give them a bit of a step up and for them to then, you know, progress and, and keep serving in society. So, yeah, I think it's really important um, as well to recognise the service of veterans and what they volunteered for, um, you know, to protect the democratic values um, throughout the world. So, um, yeah, it's a, an important day um, and the... Uh, the RSL first began selling poppies, um, I think it was, yeah, just after World War, um, World War One, from memory, but so it's been around for a long time. Yeah, over a century. Uh, we're talking to Australian Army veteran and Invictus Games gold medal winner Francine Dudfield. Speaking of the Invictus Games, uh, Francine, you got some you got some talent in sport, powerlifting gold medal, captain the volleyball team and competed in rowing as well. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, 
I highly recommend um, the Invictus Games. The, the expressions um, of interest are actually open at the moment for the Adaptive Sports Program that's supported by the ADF and um, the Invictus Foundation. So if any veterans listening, um, yeah, highly recommend. It was an amazing um, positive experience. But yeah, the, the games themselves were just, yeah, exceeded my expectations. Just such a supportive um, environment. The atmosphere was electric. It, competitor, competitors were amazing. Um, and I was lucky enough to yeah, bring home um, the first gold of the the games, actually. So that was a highlight. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm, the answer is probably going to be powerlifting because you won the gold medal. But what did you enjoy? What do you enjoy the most? Is it the volleyball? Is it the rowing? Or is it the powerlifting? Oh, you know what? Like, it was great to win a gold medal, but it was the volleyball, the sitting volleyball was my highlight. Like, I couldn't keep the smile off my face. Just team sports. Um yeah, and the adaptive sports, yeah, they they really are the best. I actually just went and supported some mates um, in wheelchair AFL last week. And, right. yeah, I just really think, um, yeah, adaptive sports have such a place in our society and they need a lot more support. But definitely the volleyball was my, my favourite. Yeah, you can't beat a team sport. I completely agree with you. So as well as all that, you're a mum of two and you're studying clinical psychology as well. You've got you've got a lot on your plate, Francine. Yeah, yeah, very lucky. <laughs> mum of um, twin boys who just turned 10, so they keep me busy. I'm learning every day from them. <laughs> um, and, yeah, almost um, through my halfway through my clinical psych um, master's, so looking forward to complete that and be out in the world and I also enjoy volunteering so I'm a mental health community visitor with the Office of the Public Advocate um, and yeah so that all keeps me busy and I feel very blessed to be able to, to study and look after my children and um, be involved in um, yeah, a lot of other communities. So, When are you due yeah, to finish your Masters? Well I'm taking it easy so I'm taking it, well, I'm doing part time yep. um, and I'll be finished in 2025 so yeah. not too long to go hey francine thanks so much for your time today it's such an important day on the calendar remembrance day and uh, let's hope everyone can dig deep and donate to the poppyappeal.com.au together we remember well done on everything uh, you've achieved and all the work you continue to do and uh, thanks for your time this afternoon great okay thank you bye Francine Dudfield, Australian Army veteran and Invictus Games gold medal winner. Just a reminder, the RSL Poppy Appeal, supporting veterans and their families. Donate now at poppyappeal.com.au. We'll be back after the break to wrap up Dwayne's World.